If you're a solo artist or a live looping artist, it's very possible that you're making a critical mistake in your setup and in your performance that could cause things to go awfully. I'm gonna, in this episode, teach you a concept that traditional onstage performers have understood for many, many years. In fact, most of us don't even think about this concept anymore. But if you can understand this concept and implement it into your setup and into your performance, it's gonna keep your show from coming to a screeching halt and it's gonna ensure that everything always happens and you have the best possible performance. Hey everyone, happy 2023. It's a brand new year and welcome back to Behind the Space Bar. Behind the Space Bar is a podcast that helps you learn how to perform on stage with Ableton Live, whether you are a playback tech, a musician, a solo artist, a band, whoever you are, if you're using Ableton Live on stage, you're in the right place. Today, I wanna to talk a little bit about uh, what I would call a traditional onstage performance. I've learned something really over the past year of creating content on YouTube specifically, that I'll create content and I'll talk about, for instance, the top five audio interfaces for live performance. Side note, a new version of that video coming here soon for 2023. And when I talk about that, I talk about my personal experience, which is from being on stage with a band, playing guitar, or being side of stage using uh, Ableton Live to run tracks as a playback tech with a band on stage. So I say performance, that's what I think of. I think of an audio interface and I think of something that doesn't have audio inputs because I'm just running tracks. That's my context, that's what I'm thinking of. But I've discovered over the past year that there's a lot of you watching this channel, listening to what I'm saying, that when you hear performance, you think of you, uh, in your studio, recording videos, maybe you at a coffee shop, at a pub, at a bar, performing by yourself, doing live looping, maybe doing a solo act with just an acoustic guitar. And so your needs and your thoughts are completely different. And what I've discovered in having conversations with a few of you over the past year, in fact, I just had an amazing one-on-one -on -one session with my new buddy, Wayne, uh, who's a DJ and live looping artist. And we're talking through his setup. And, and as I'm working through things with him, helping him to create the most solid setup, I, I realize there's this key concept that those of us that have performed on stage for many, many years, we just understand. And again, we almost naturally don't even think about it because it's just part of what we do that a lot of live looping artists, solo artists, people that may not perform on traditional stages don't understand. And if you miss this, it's, it's gonna cause your show to come to a complete uh, crash and burn and screeching halt. And I'm gonna tell you what that concept is in just a moment. But first I wanna do what I like to call uh, a little bit of redneck graphic design. I wanna kind of lay out what the tech setup stage layout kind of looks like for a traditional performance. So here's my redneck graphic design. If you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, maybe consider clicking over to YouTube to watch this video uh, as I draw through my redneck graphic design. If not, I'll try to kind of illustrate what we have. So typically when we think about a typical performance, a traditional onstage performance, um, we have our stage, right? And we have a stage, maybe it's a four piece band, maybe it's a large band, maybe it's uh, like what I recently did where you've got a full orchestra, full big band, rhythm section, string section, um, uh, you know, a lot of different people on stage. I think we had 40 people on stage for that. Whatever it is though, you've got a stage. And typically you've got your, you know, people on stage, let's say we're just a four piece um, and we've got our singer, we've got a drummer, got a few different people. We have multiple performers on stage. Now let's talk about how we take those people that are on stage and everyone hears what those people are doing. So um, we have all our performers and basically we take all of our inputs. We take a microphone, we take our drum set, we take our guitar amp, we take our keyboard and we run lines to typically what's called a stage snake, okay? So there's a, stake on, a snake on stage uh, with XLR inputs that go to this. 
And then what typically happens, uh, even in smaller venues, is that stage snake goes a couple different places. One, it probably goes side of stage and it takes every one of these inputs and it goes here. Uh, a lot of times you'll hear this called uh, a split snake, right? Uh, because it's splitting the signal. And we go over here to uh, a audio console. And typically we call this monitor world um, or we'll just call that a monitor console. Then we take this other one and this line runs, you know, typically pretty far. And then we go out to what is called front of house, F-O-H. So if you've ever heard that term being used, uh, front of house, if you've seen it abbreviated F-O-H, that's what it means. Um, the longer I teach, the more I realize we tend to use these uh, very exclusive terms and these very isolating terms that if you're brand new to this and you hear someone say, yeah, I'll meet you at, uh, uh, you know, you see them text, I'll meet you at F-O-H. And you're like, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I'll meet you at FOH, man. I know completely what that is. Well, that's front of house, right? Front of house um, is our main audio console, okay? Now, in some setups, in some scenarios, these are bigger scale scenarios, bigger scale uh, setups, you'll have a third line uh, that typically is what's called broadcast, okay? Uh, sometimes you'll call this, you know, tape, right? It's just being recorded to tape uh, the shows I did recently. Uh, went to a broadcast truck that captured, uh, you know, multi-track captured everything. Uh, in a, a church setup scenario, a uh, more installed venue type scenario, typically you'll see broadcast uh, is, is in a different room, completely different isolated space. But we have these three different areas, okay? So we have front of house, we have monitor world, we have this kind of broadcast area. Now, why in the world am I talking about this? I keep talking about this concept that if you understand it and implement it into your setup, is going to change things for you and prevent a complete disaster from happening. Um, uh, it's important when we look at this diagram and we think of three different isolated things, the concept that's happening here, again, whether we realize it or not, is a term called division of labor. Now, I think that's an economic term. Uh, I'm not smart enough to fully get the grasp of that. I looked it up on Wikipedia, which is, you know, everything you find on the internet obviously is true. And Wikipedia is my Bible personally. But it says the division of labor is the separation of the task in any economic system or organization so that participants may specialize. And it's this idea of spe specialization. What is division of labor in a live performance? Well, it's the idea of splitting the stress, the load of a task across multiple sources. So in this case, why do we have front of house? Why do we have monitor? Why do we have broadcast and tape? Well, each one of these does a specific task. We'll talk about that more in just a second. Um, it, it's, it's the ability to allow us to use separate gear for each task, right? Front of house is dedicated to a specific thing. Monitor is dedicated to a specific thing. Broadcast is dedicated to a specific uh, thing. And even more importantly than that, it allows a specific person to be in a specific role, okay? So this idea of division of labor, why does this matter? Well, again, in, in the scenario that we're talking about here and looking at just from a tech perspective, it matters because the stress and the load is split. Not one person, not one piece of gear is handling every single task. So if we look at this scenario, right, uh, uh, what is broadcast doing? Broadcast is mixing just for tape. It's mixing just for uh, live streaming. It's mixing just for people that are watching online. Uh, you know, in a church world, there's typically a, a, an online stream of things. And the event I just did, they were just capturing to tape and this person was making sure the recording was great. And they were creating the best possible experience for people uh, watching online and, and recording. Uh, the monitor console, 
the gear for uh, the audio console for monitors, uh, the person that's dedicated to running monitors, their sole goal is to make sure that the, the people on stage have their own separate mix and have the best possible experience. This person um, does not care about what it sounds like at front of house. Now, if they're a decent human being, yes, they care, they understand, they're working with front of house engineer, they're getting gains set and making sure you know uh, everyone has proper gain. Um, that Those two roles are working together, but typically just think from a division of labor standpoint, the monitor engineer's role is making sure these people on stage have the best possible experience. Whereas front of house is making sure the people listening, right, in the audience are having the best possible experience. So very practically, each of these three positions have separate levels, right? Different mixes, uh, they have different effects. Front of house is probably gonna have less effects, most likely, than monitor world is gonna have. Monitor's maybe gonna have more reverb for vocals. Um, there's not gonna be any click at front of house, but in monitor world, they're gonna turn up click so that the band can hear click. Um, there's maybe gonna be different EQ, it's a little, maybe a little more surgical for monitors, whereas this is a little more like, let me take what's happening here and represent it really well for people that are listening. And, and the role of the monitor uh, uh, console and the monitor engineer is, I just wanna make sure these people can play well together. And the great thing about this is this all works together because if this person does their job well, these people play together well, this person is gonna have a much, much easier job, right? So the stress of load is split between multiple pieces of gear. They're split between multiple different people. Um, and um, there's some really great things that happen because of that. We'll talk about that in a second. I'm gonna give you another example really quickly. Uh, let's, let's get another piece of paper here. Um, we are on from studio stage and I'll explain more of uh, uh, the community and what I'm talking about in a second. But um, as a part of the community for the first couple months of 2023, we're talking a lot about vocal processing. That's like something people are super interested in, particularly again, if you're a solo performer, live looping artist, um, a lot of people are really interested in vocal processing. But if you look at a, a rig for the pros, this is typically how they do that, right? They'll have a computer that's, here's my tracks computer, right? And this computer's goal is just to run tracks. And it's probably Ableton Live, they've got their tracks loaded in, they've got audio interfaces, MIDI controllers, but that computer's goal is, is, is uh, committed just to running tracks. Then we have another computer that's maybe committed to just running keys, right? That's got maybe main stage on it, hopefully not, hopefully it's Ableton, but they're running key sounds in a computer that's dedicated just to keys. And then uh, they have a computer that's dedicated just to vocal processing. Side note, this is probably a computer that's running Universal Audio Console that's dedicated to just controlling an external piece of gear. But regardless, it's a computer that's just dedicated to vocal processing just to keys and just to tracks. Um, division of labor, they're splitting the load between all three of these because um, if each of these is trying to share the load of, uh, of doing the other thing, it's gonna put a lot of stress on that one individual machine. Um, it, it's going to mean that you have to share latency buffer size across all three different tasks. And typically you, you want a different buffer, a different latency for tracks than you want for vocal processing. Keys is pretty similar. We want really, really low latency. We want more CPU power here. So we're concerned, you know, less about latency with tracks. We just want more, more power. Keys, we want power and really low latency. Vocal processing, we want very, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, low latency and a lot of power as well too. Um, uh, but we're separating this out. Uh, another reason that um, division of labor matters is if we take this concept a little further, what the pros do is not just this, they do tracks and they have an A rig and they have a B rig. So they have redundancy 
for each one of these systems, right? So um, A and B rig, they have a separate tracks computer, separate keys computer, separate vocal computer, and each one of these systems is redundant. Now that's not just because they have a massive budget and they're on the road with a big artist. They're doing this because they want to ensure uh, that they have redundancy in place. It's the idea that if one of these goes down, the show can go on. Let's go back to that original example here that I gave of front of house, monitor, broadcast, tape. Now, in a perfect world, yes, these are all separate. They're all three different people doing these jobs. But in the absolute worst case scenario, if monitor world goes down, you know, it may take a little repatching. Uh, that's why a lot of people are moving to digital consoles because this could be not instant, but this could be a pretty quick patch and switch over. But there's a scenario where you could say, okay, we lost monitor world. Well, let's just switch over to front of house and front of house can do in-ears and can do monitors. Now, it's not ideal because again, that concept of division of labor means let's let each task specialize. Let's eat, uh, let each kind of uh, thing specialize in its specific role. Uh, but redundancy again is super important, whether it's just splitting that task across different things. And if one of those has to take on more, or again, if we're back to this scenario of how the pros run tracks, use keys, and do vocal processing on stage, um, they have completely different setups and rigs for that. Now, it's fully possible to use Ableton Live on stage on a computer, run tracks from a computer, load some key sounds into that computer and process and control your key sounds from that computer. And it's fully possible to process vocals on that same computer. In fact, I had someone email in uh, this past year that said, hey, I would love to show you my setup, my rig. Uh, we're running tracks in Ableton Live, we're processing vocals in Ableton Live, we're doing everyone's monitor mix, and we have a separate mix for broadcast, all from one computer in Ableton Live. Uh, I did not uh, respond back to that person to see their setup because uh, at some point between when they emailed me and now, or likely in the future, they're gonna email and say, we had everything crash and burn. Uh, nothing is working. We lost ears uh, for, uh, for this mix. We lost our broadcast mix. What in the world is happening? Well, what's happening is you put too much load on one individual thing. You had one computer try to do everything and that eventually at some point will struggle and will crash because each of those tasks should be specialized. Your computer should be optimized for each of those tasks, right? And so if you don't do that, um, then the, the result could be very, very bad. So again, uh, I wrote this down just because you can doesn't mean you should, right? That's a good concept that's important for us to matter. But this idea of division of labor allows us to split the load, the, the stress, the task across multiple people uh, and or multiple pieces of gear. It allows us to create redundant systems. So if one goes down, the other can keep going. But the other thing it allows us to do is it allows us to focus on the performance really, really well. What I mean by that is, for example, in, in this traditional setup, traditional on, on stage setup of front of house monitor broadcast, it allows the band to just focus on playing because there's someone dedicated to creating the best possible monitor mix just for them to create what's called an in-ear mix or a monitor mix just for them. Now you could, if you're in a smaller setup, if again, if you're playing it, uh, I've done some gigs way back in the day when I was in college where it was like a, a coffee shop setup and scenario um, where it's just me. And yeah, I could get by with just having my guitar. In fact, I remember doing a live looping setup with my uh, Line 6 DL4 at a coffee shop, which was really, really fun. And that was just it, you know, it was just me playing guitar and it's going into my DL4 into my amp. And then uh, I believe they had some, some uh, speakers there that I could use. That works great. But imagine if I could have an in-ear mix where uh, I could get that exactly dialed into where I wanted. I could be way more comfortable in that particular uh, setup and scenario. And again, tying it back into particularly live looping artists. And this is something 
I'm going to talk a lot more about this year because I see a, a void in a lot of the content that's out there, is it's fully possible for you to create an in-ear mix. If it's just you as a solo artist, it's fully possible for you to create an in-ear mix with your uh, interface, with your computer. That's completely possible to do. And again, if it's just you, that's that's not the end of the world, but what you're missing is the flexibility uh, of having an external console to do that. Your, your computer is working harder, it's stressing, it's got to process incoming audio, uh, and you're going, well, well, I'm already uh, doing vocal processing. Well, there's some ways we could offload that from your computer that's a little better, that would uh, give us a better uh, uh, latency experience, low latency. Um, but by separating that out, again, we're taking the load off of just one computer. So yes, you could show up to that gig, uh, again, with just one computer that could handle everything, that could even technically be your front of house console, but just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I, I'm very aware that it's like, well, Will, my money tree stopped growing many, many years ago. So it's not like I have endless supplies of money. I understand that. But there's ways to kind of build your setup and your rig step-by-step uh, step, or to go into venues that already have a console and work with the front of house engineer to get a great experience to get a, a monitor mix with the monitor engineer there and say, hey, I'm good, don't change anything, we're set. Uh, and some other ways to optimize, which we'll talk about in a moment. But uh, I, again, as a solo performer, imagine being able to hear uh, a click, imagine being able to hear cues to feel really, really comfortable on stage as you're performing, uh, and then have a really great experience for people at front of house. Now, I wanna bring this to an end here and talk about what this means for you as a solo performer, as a live looping performer. Some really practical ways you can implement this concept of division of labor here in just a moment. But before I do that, I, I wanna ask two things. One, consider subscribing here on YouTube in 2023. I'm creating uh, two pieces of content a week. I'm creating this show here behind the space bar, which again, is all about performing, uh, learning to perform like a pro on stage with Ableton Live. That's every Monday, 10 a.m. Central, that content goes live. Also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, and then I'm also creating a, a tutorial that I'm able to dive a little deeper than I did in 2022 and talk about some concepts like live looping, vocal processing, improving how you perform on stage with Ableton Live for tracks, um, uh, some gear related content that I'm really excited about that's gonna go live every single Friday, again, 10 a.m. Central. So if you're interested in that sort of content, consider subscribing, just hit the subscribe button here on YouTube, enable notifications so you don't miss when that content goes live. But it's 2023 and it's possible you go, man, well, I'm really interested in this idea of going deeper. I'm a solo artist, I'm a live looping artist. I feel like there's this void in content on the internet where people just kind of do their performance, but they don't dive in and talk deep about latency. They don't talk about setting up an in-ear mix. Um, and I feel like I'm missing something potentially. Well, consider becoming a From Studio to Stage student. And you can do that by heading to fromstudiotostage.com slash subscribe. Um, there's not enough time in this video for me to explain all the incredible value that you get when you become a student. But in short, you get access to over 60 courses that are dedicated to using Ableton Live for live performance. I hear from a lot of people that discover the channel on YouTube for the first time, and they're so excited because the majority of content on Ableton Live that's on YouTube is all about production. It's all about recording, creating music with Ableton Live, and it's an incredible tool for that. But I am focused on using Ableton Live on stage and, and, and learning how to perform like a pro with Ableton Live on stage. You're gonna find 60 courses that are all dedicated to that, to setting up and using your gear in a way that's uh, efficient, flexible, and stable. Um, if you wanna use backing tracks, I teach something called the three-part framework for using tracks that will completely transform how you use tracks on stage and give you tons of flexibility. It's efficient, and again, most of all, and potentially most important, and an onstage performance is stability. Uh, you get access to um, credits every single month, 
where you can purchase content from the shop. I'm releasing something almost every single month, a template, a patch, or preset that you can get for free with your credits. And there'll be some really cool, exciting new things in 2023 I'm gonna announce here soon that you can use credits for as well, which is gonna be great. You get access to a monthly call every single month. It's just for students. That's a $500 value, which is crazy, that you get included in your subscription. Uh, plus you get access to the community, which is a great place uh, to interact with people that are just like you, people that are doing the same thing as you, where you can ask questions 24 seven, get answers from them and engage with people that uh, are committed to your success and don't want you to quit doing what you're doing. So if you're interested in that, again, head to fromstudiotostage.com slash subscribe. Whether you're doing this with a band as a playback tech, as a musician, as a part of a band, or again, as a solo artist or live looping artist, there's content there for you. Okay, so now let's apply this. Let's bring this home. Um, what does this mean for you as a solo performer? Number one, uh, think about, Take a few seconds and think about how you can optimize your current setup. Where are there areas that you can improve? You look at your setup right now and you go, okay, uh, my setup is I show up with a MIDI controller, one laptop and a Focusrite interface. Um, and that red interface looks awesome on stage, but I'm using it for in-ears, I'm using it for tracks, I'm using it uh, to process my vocals. And if that uh, you know, $300 interface were to go down, I don't know what I would do. If my one computer were to go down, I don't know what I would do. Think about how you can optimize your current setup. And again, I wanna to try to encourage you. This is not, uh, you know, I'm not gonna post, I mean, there will be affiliate links in the description of this uh, just because I post this in every video. But my goal is not to say, um, hey, click these links so that I make money when you buy more gear. I don't use the affiliate links if you want to. I'm not trying to tell you to buy more gear, just trying to tell you, um, yes, you can step on stage and perform with one interface, one computer, um, but consider a, an additional computer. Consider uh, implementing redundancy into your setup uh, because it's going to just, just help you achieve this concept that we've known for many, many years, which is division of labor. Again, think, number one, how can you optimize your current setup? Number two, implement an in-ear mix. And I know a lot of you um, I ha think you don't need that because you're like, well, I'm just gonna show up, I'm gonna turn the speakers in a little towards me. Uh, and then you wonder constantly why you're getting feedback from your mic and you wanna go to Guitar Center and buy a new mic. Well, it has nothing to do with your mic, it's the fact that you're pointing your speakers directly at your mic, but that's another podcast for another day. Um, uh, but consider implementing an in-ear mix because it's all about your comfort. And you may go, well, using in-ear mixes, I, I don't play as well. Um, uh, you know, it's not as freeing, it's not as whatever. Uh, one, step in on stage as an artist, the, the goal is not for you to feel fulfilled and have a great experience. That's a side uh, aspect, that's a side part of serving the audience, right? You step in on stage, your goal in that moment in time is to serve the audience. And one of the benefits you get from that is feeling fulfilled and satisfied, right? And one of the best ways you can do that to have the best experience for you on stage, let's be selfish for a moment, is to have an in-ear mix. And if you have a bad in-ear mix, it's gonna not be a great experience and you'll feel like you can't play well. I've seen people comment and say, you know, when I really wanna like uh, vibe and I really wanna lock into the band, I don't use in-ears. But when I do use in-ears, it's really surgical and precise. Well, that's not because of in-ears, it's because you have a bad in-ear mix. And let me know, comment below if you're watching on YouTube, if you wanna see more content on how to improve your inner mix, create a better inner mix. We'll talk about that later. Um, a third thing you could potentially consider doing is travel with your own mixer. Some of you listening to this, uh, depending on your setup, are walking in to a venue and again, using your audio interface as your mixer. What I mean by that is you take two outputs, maybe a few more, and you just plug them directly into speakers and you just perform. And again, if you're in a small coffee shop and you're just playing acoustic guitar and singing, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. 
But imagine what it would be like if you could walk in with a digital mixer, Persona Studio Live, a, a Behringer X32, an Allen & Heath, whatever they have that's a digital console uh, that's rack mounted, um, that's a 2U space, 4U space, that's in a rack mount that you show up, you take two lines out of that and plug in, and you can create an amazing mix for the people that are listening in the audience. You have an in-ear mix that's customized for every single song, and separate from that is your computer running tracks, right? You, you don't even have to necessarily um, get so deep into a redundant rig, although I would encourage you to do that. Uh, you're getting a better chance of redundancy if you're splitting the load of front of house, in-ears, running tracks, processing keys. If you have your computer, your interface doing that, and you have a mixer that's doing front of house and, uh, and doing an in-ear mix for you. So consider traveling with your own mixer. I've got a video, um, I'm gonna make a note so I, I can link to this. Uh, I've got a video where I talk about using the X32 rack, I think is what it's called. Um, as an all-in-one solution for small bands, for Solaris, even big bands, uh, not like big bands, horn section. I guess you could. I mean, there's nothing wrong with stylistically uh, using that. But I mean, big bands, uh, my friends uh, uh, that were in a band called The Digital Age, they traveled with an X32 mixer and basically mixed their own mix and just said to front of house, here's two lines. Uh, I'll see if I can dig up some of that uh, content. I don't know if, if uh, that's been hidden. Uh, on YouTube now, it's many, many years ago, but we did some content where they talked about traveling with their X32 and doing that. But that's fully possible if you travel with your own mixer. Uh, the last step here, last thing where we can apply this is ask yourself, think about how can you add redundancy to your setup? And again, division of labor is yes, I'm gonna no longer use my computer for front of house and for in-ears and I'm gonna have a, a audio console. That's a great thing to implement. But another aspect of division of labor is redundancy. So how can I take my computer and say, okay, this is gonna be my tracks computer. And it's a little older, um, it's an old Intel Mac, um, and that's gonna be my tracks computer. And then I'm gonna get this new Mac uh, that I just bought, uh, that I'm using for work, whatever it is, that's gonna be my keys computer. Or I'm gonna have two tracks computers. I'm gonna buy a Play Audio 12 for my connectivity so I have redundancy. And so now, I've used division of labor to split, separate, share tasks across multiple different devices, but then I've also implemented redundancy into my setup. And here's the thing. Again, you could be a solo performer, live looping artist and listen to this and, and you feel a little bit of pushback and the pushback is because you feel like financially you can't afford to buy all that stuff. I get that, I understand that, but I don't want you to throw out the baby with the bathwater, which is a terrible phrase. I don't want you to go, yeah, but I've been doing 10 shows and I've got just my focus right in my laptop and it's amazing. You're an idiot. I am an idiot, but not necessarily because of what I'm teaching today. I'm an idiot for a lot of other reasons, but I don't want you to miss this. And, and if you feel a little bit of hesitation to this, just live with this content for a little bit. And again, make a plan. I remember in college, um, I had an index card of gear that uh, I was really hoping and praying that I could get. And I listed that gear on there. And it took me a few years to get all of the gear that was on that card, but it was completely possible and I finally got there. So give it a little bit of time. If you feel hesitancy, um, uh, just live with this for a little bit and make a game plan. And again, if you wanna succeed in 2023, two potential things that I think will really help is number one, subscribe to this YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, enable the bell icon. Uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, do me a favor, hit subscribe, uh, leave us a rating or review. If you uh, have something nice to say, feel free to leave it. If not, just don't say anything at all. Just move, move on with your day. That's cool, we're cool, we're still friends. And the second thing, again, if you're really ready to commit to your success uh, performing on stage with Ableton Live in 2023, then consider going to fromstudiotostage.com slash subscribe. Become a student, 
and um, you're gonna get access to so many resources and tools uh, that are gonna help you do what you want to do really, really well. Hope you have a amazing, amazing 2023. I hope this is the best year yet. And uh, we'll see you next Monday uh, on Behind the Space Bar. Take care, everybody. Bye.